And welcome to it. Skulls here along with John Pinkus. We are ready to go courtesy of San Fury to Mark and LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in the country. John here ready to answer your questions and uh, fill your head with good knowledge, stuff you need to know in the workplace. If you're like all of us and you got a job and you want to maintain that job and be wise about it, you know your rights. We uh, shatter the myths and misconceptions about employment law on this show. So we'll get started right now. The main topic, everything you need to know about medical leaves in just a bit. Andrew, call in uh, right now live to the show, 416-870-6400. Again, 416-870-6400 here on this Monday, ready to rock and roll. The email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. But we always get it rolling, Johnny, with the uh, the case of the day, pal. What do you got going on? That's right, John. I, I got uh, an interesting situation to talk about today, and then we've got some interesting things uh, to share with anyone listening. And uh, we always say we encourage people to call in if it's about a current issue at work or about uh, having lost your job, which is a lot of what we talk about today. It's not just about what's happening to you in the workplace, but what happens to you when you're exited involuntarily from that workplace. So the case I want to talk about today uh involves just that. Uh, involves someone who had been employed for a large uh, clothing company in their head office in their operations department for about 14 years. And about one year ago was recruited to join a small clothing company where they would be you know, kind of a big, bigger fish in a small pond. So this person was initially contacted by a recruiter and then ended up meeting with the CFO and the CEO of this small, smaller company. Lots of discussions ensued and they made her an offer to be their COO. And she actually turned it down initially. Then they sweetened the deal, offered her a higher salary, some stock options. Okay, now it was looking like a, a good idea that, you know, at least we should consider it. So then they sent her an employment agreement to look at. The one thing she knows, negotiates out is she says, I don't want a probationary clause. She says, I'm leaving a job 14 years. I shouldn't have a probationary clause. So they agree to that. She signs an employment agreement and that's that. First nine months or so, that's great. She's getting along with everyone. Business is good. And then now, you know, John, I wouldn't be talking about this unless something went wrong. Uh, and sure <laughs> enough, 10 months in, this company loses two major clients. Uh, and all of a sudden, they can't afford to pay her salary. So they let her go without cause. And they say, sorry, you know, this didn't work out. We didn't, you know, we didn't envision this. Um, but uh, look, uh, we, it's a without cause termination. And pursuant to the employment contract you signed, we owe you one week of pay. Here is your one week of pay. Thank you very much. So at that point, she comes to me and she says, you know, what have I done? I left this job of 14 years and, and I got the probationary clause removed, but I didn't think to negotiate the termination clause out. You know, I read it and I saw there was something about employment standards and I, I figured it was fair. Now, to be honest, that is the point <coughs> that she should have come to me. That is what she should have done. The time to speak to me was when she was negotiating the contract and she didn't do that. But fortunately for her, this contract, like most employment contracts, uh, had an illegality. And because it had an illegality, they couldn't rely on, they cannot rely on the termination clause. So she is not going to be limited to that clearly very unreasonable severance package for someone recruited from a job for 14 years. Right. Uh, instead, we're going to look at her age, position, and not only her tenure with a smaller company, we're also going to give some consideration to her tenure from the place that she was recruited, because she was recruited pretty aggressively. 
And thankfully, uh, we're able to do that um, because she has negotiated out the probationary clause. And had she not done that, might have been more difficult. Uh, but this entitlement now could easily be upwards of 12 months pay, uh, even though she'd been employed with this company for less than 12 months. Now, I, I think the lesson here is pretty self-explanatory, right? You, you, you gotta speak to a lawyer at the time you negotiate the contract. Always, I would say, if you're looking at an employment agreement and you think you have an opportunity to negotiate it, but especially, especially if you are leaving a job, especially if you are being uh, recruited. And if you haven't done that and you're in, in that position, at the very least, speak to an employment lawyer uh, if you lose your job because, as you can see, uh, in the case of this person, um, she, she got she got lucky. And, and most of these employment agreements, fortunately, are not enforceable. Yeah, we always tell everybody before you sign, if you look at it, just crack it open, but send it along to John anytime and have it uh, reviewed properly because sometimes it's a bad Google Doc that someone's used and it doesn't hold water or it could be uh, some really bad things in there for you. You don't want to sign it, but always get the, uh, the heads up first. Send it along, by the way, uh, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Or you can always reach out to John, too, after the show anytime, one 855 5900. We'll uh, get into our first uh, bit of our topic here, and then we'll get into our first break and come back with lots more. Everything you need to know about medical leaves. First one, how long, Johnny, can somebody be away from work for medical reasons? Confusion here. There's a lot of confusion here because, uh, and it's very understandable confusion because we have two different statutes we need to think about, uh, and they have very different requirements. So the first is the Employment Standards Act, right? What does the Employment Standards Act say? Well, it says you get three days, three unpaid days of, of uh, sick leave. You know, briefly during COVID it was paid, uh, and now it is unpaid. Uh, and so I actually have seen some employers say, well, the Employment Standards Act says we've got to provide such and such, and that's what we provided. So, you know, we're, you know, if they don't come back within three days, your employment is terminated. But that's not the case because we have protections under the Human Rights Code that say right. you can't let someone go because they are sick or you know injured or unable to work unless you can show it was impossible to accommodate them, right? And uh, you know what we call undue hardship. And having been away from work for more than three days is in almost every case not going to be enough for an employer to say, well, we can't accommodate you anymore. So if they terminate your employment after you only being away for, you know, four days, five days, uh, and you have a legitimate reason for not being away from work, you know, you're not just, uh, you're not just ditching work to go bowling, uh, but you actually, <laughs> but you actually have something, you know, that's keeping you from being at work, you're, you're ill or you're injured, uh, then that's a very serious, uh, human rights violation for an employer, uh, to let you go during that. So, um, it's very important to know that you have this right because, you know, particularly if you have, you know, let's say an infectious disease. We all remember, you know, COVID when how careful uh, everyone was during the pandemic. If you're feeling sick, you should stay home. You should yeah. follow the advice of your doctor and just communicate with your employer, right? If they're asking for a doctor's note, uh, then, you know, you can give them uh, uh, the information that's appropriate. And with that, we'll take a short break, guys, get to get into lots more. In the meantime, giving you a chance to pick up a phone now, ask an unrelated question. If it has something to do with your job, work life could be for you, a pal, family member. Bring it on. It's the Monday night edition of the Employment Law Show. Stand by. Lots more coming up. John Scholes, John Pankus is here, uh, courtesy Sanfiru Tamarkin LLP. Reaching out to John anytime. You might want to have that uh, lengthier private conversation. 
about your matter? Easy, 1-855-821-5900. But here and right now, 416-870-6400 to call the radio station. We have lots of open lines. we got time, so bring it on if you have any uh, questions related to or not about our main topic uh, today, and that is everything you need to know about medical leaves. Um, let me ask you this, John, a second question for, uh, for this topic. Does an employer have the right to ask an employee for their medical information and a diagnosis, not prognosis, but diagnosis. What say you? Oh, well, not, not your first rodeo, eh, John? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you foreshadowed the answer. That's it. We call a, it's what we call a leading question, John. Uh, so, no, uh, you are not uh, obliged to share your diagnosis uh, with your employer. What you have to share is the uh, prognosis. Uh, and the reason for this is that an employer has the right to know, you know, how long they have to plan for you to mm-hmm. be out of work. They also have to know when you come back, are you going to need any accommodations? And what do those accommodations look like? And if it looks like, yeah, we're going to need you to completely rebuild your, uh, him, uh, this person in office and relocate your entire facility, you know, 50 miles, uh, you know, down the 401. Well, that is probably going to be undue hardship. Whereas if the doctor says something like, yeah, this person just needs uh, you know, a shortened week and a longer break, then that's in almost all cases not going to be undue hardship. So they're entitled to know that information so that they can plan. There, is a, there are rare, rare situations where an employer may be able to request an independent medical examination if they can show that there's conflicting medical evidence or you know there's a real reason for suspicion. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, all they're entitled to know is some information so they can help plan for what will hopefully be eventually your return. The questions, 416-870-6400 to get on live here for the remaining uh, time of the show this evening. Uh, another question about everything you need to know about uh, medical leaves, John. What happens to that employee's job while they're off in that medical leave? Do they have to regularly update their employer on the condition? And if so, uh, how often generally should do that to be courteous? So as often as possible, you should update okay. your employer on your situation, right? Especially if um, it's looking like it's going to be a longer medical leave, you want to prepare your employer that, you know, this is probably going to be a long haul, so that way they can plan and they can uh, hire someone in the meantime as a, as a temporary replacement. Um, but they do have to hold your job. That is what happens to your job while you're on a medical leave. So um, if as long as they don't have any reason to believe that you're abandoning your job, uh, and the best way to prevent that is to keep them updated. I usually say at least once every few weeks, um, and let them know when they can expect to hear from you again. As long as you have done that, they have an obligation to hold your job uh, until it looks like you are not ever going to be coming back. Um, and that is not necessarily uh, a year or two years or even three years. I mean, the longer right. you're away, the more likely it is that the employer can say, okay, you're not coming back and, you know, uh, deal with it from that standpoint uh, and then not hold your job. But for the most, for the most part, they are going to have to hang on to it. And when you come back, they've got to offer it back to you. You know, you mentioned that uh, length of time, which kind of uh, dovetails into the next question. That is, if someone isn't approved for LTD or long-term disability, which, you know, this will eventually bleed over there if you're off long enough, or the claim is cut off, what do they do? 
Well, the first thing you should do is speak to a disability lawyer, right? A disability lawyer is going to help you uh, to make sure that if you are entitled to anything under that disability benefits plan, that you can pursue that. And that's often exponentially uh, more valuable than your severance because, uh, you know, a lot of disability policies will cover you up into age 65, whereas severance, you know, even at the high end is, is uh, even at the maximum, is usually not more than two years. Uh, so that's the first very important thing you should do. The other thing that you should do um, is if your employer has said, as they sometimes do, oh, you know, we just got a note from the disability insurer that you're not able to, uh, you're not able to return. Um, so uh, here's your minimum entitlements under employment standards and see you later. Well, hang on, not so fast, right? It's mm -hmm. not just a question of what the disability insurer says. They're not the arbiter of truth here, right? They're saying you're not entitled to this benefit under this policy. Now, they could be wrong about that, and um, you could be entitled to it, um, or they, um, uh, you know, or, or it just could be a, a, a fact of that uh, policy saying that um, you're, um, you know, you're, you don't meet the definition of disability under oh, this gosh, policy, yeah. right? So if you're not, just because you're, uh, the disability insurer says you're entitled to this uh, benefit or you're not entitled to this benefit doesn't mean that you have to come back to work uh, if you're not able to, and it doesn't mean that your employment gets cut off. And again, your doctor is always the, the bedrock of that particular question. And if you need to reach out, by the way, John, the other half of the firm, Sanford to Market, does exactly that disability law because there's so much crossover between you two guys. You're always going across the hall back and forth with each other, so you can call that, uh, that same number, by the way. What should an employee do if it's not, you know, you mentioned if they could be off indefinitely, frustration of contract sort of thing, but when they're ready to return to work from a medical leave, what are the first kind of steps you expect them to do? Well, the first thing that I would do is I would get a note from your doctor stating that you're ready to return to work, especially if it's been a lengthy leave. The company's probably going to ask that from you. Uh, and then as soon as possible, I would tell the company, I'm ready to come back. And here's my start. Here's when I'm ready to start. Work together on a start date. And if you have restrictions, explain those restrictions in detail, ideally with a note from your doctor setting out those restrictions. Because again, inevitably, the company is going to ask for that from you. What do you do if the employer says, yeah, you know what? No, we got nothing else for you. We don't need you to return. Well, that can actually be a human rights violation, depending well. on the situation. And uh, it could give rise to an entitlement to severance, right? So if they say, we're not going to allow you to return to work, well, the company has just terminated your employment. And if they've terminated your employment, they owe you a severance package. Now, the question is going to be, do they owe you only your minimum entitlements uh, because you were off work for so long and there was a doctor's note saying um, that you were not likely to come back to work, or do they owe you your full entitlements? Well, if you're ready to return to work, chances are they're going to owe you your full entitlements. Uh, and if they simply don't have you back because they've hired someone else in your place, well, now they have human rights violations as well, because as tough as it is uh, being an employer in the situation, and, in, you know, we have to be somewhat empathetic to the situation faced by employers because it is a very tricky situation to deal mm -hmm. with as an employer. Um, then, um, but if they, if they just like the person that replaced you and didn't hire you back for that reason, that's going to put them in hot water under the human rights code. 
Before we bounce over to a, another quick topic for the remaining time, uh, John, I want to get an email sent along. Alex says, guys, my employer just terminated my employment and didn't give me a reason. Is that a wrongful dismissal? Well, not because they didn't give you a reason, right? Uh, if your employment is terminated and they didn't pay you enough severance, that is a wrong. that is a wrongful dismissal. But an employer doesn't actually have to give you a reason to let you go. In fact, they can let you go for almost any reason, as long as it's not, you know, like we were just talking about for a, uh, because of a medical leave or something else that's forbidden under, uh, under statute. Most of the time, company's not really going to give you a reason. They may say sometimes, they may say, well, it's a restructuring or, well, you yeah. know, your performance wasn't working out. But a lot of the time, they'll just say it's a without cause termination. And there is nothing illegal about them doing that. And that's actually a very common thing to do. So what we're looking at is not the reason or the lack of reasons they gave you for termination. Most of the time, what we're looking at is what's the severance package? How does that compare to your full entitlements? And for that, you can go on the pocket employment lawyer or severance pay calculator to get started. You still got some minutes here, 416-870-6400 to call into the show live now before we uh, wrap it up in just a bit. Want to get to some most common employment law questions, John, you get every day. We get them on the show all the time. You get them through email at the office. I know when you're working. Uh, the most basic one, guy, how much severance should I get? Where, where do I figure that out? Well, uh, two places that I uh, just mentioned, you know, severancepaycalculator.com and stlawyers.ca slash pocket-employment-lawyer. Uh, so if you go to those uh, one of those websites, uh, you can find out how much uh, you're likely to get based on your age, your position, and your years of service. But there's other things that we look at. You know, what is your rate of compensation? If you've got a really high rate of compensation, that might be difficult to replace. If you have a really niche role, were you pregnant or ill or injured at the time of termination? Do you live in a really remote area? Are you subject to some kind of agreement that is going to impede your ability to find a new job? Anything, you know, that, that, that might, that might cause you to take a longer period of time to find a job. So one of the things that we were looking at, for example, was the pandemic. The pandemic created a very difficult situation for yeah. employees, took them a longer period of time to find a new job. And the law recognized this and said, these people are going to get a longer period of severance. It says, John, in the bottom of my severance letter, I have to accept severance by a, this offer by a certain date. I'm panicking, kind of. What do I do? The first thing you should do is speak to an employment lawyer uh, because maybe that is a severance, a good severance package. It might be, not often. I'd say doubt it. The, <laughs> doubt it. I highly doubt it. But ever so often, I will tell someone this is a good severance package, um, and we as employment lawyers can give you that advice and we can tell you pretty quick and chances are you're going to be able to speak with us quickly now if you need an extension uh, to speak with an employment lawyer then by all means ask for that extension but what you should know is a couple things firstly that deadline is not is not because the uh, employer uh, is you know, that, that something's going to happen that's not going to permit them to pay you that severance package anymore the reason they want you to sign by that deadline is because they really do want you to sign that release. What they're offering to you is not being offered out of the goodness of their heart. They're offering yeah. it to you because they have liability. They've terminated your employment and chances are they probably owe you more, maybe a lot more. So speak to an employment lawyer right away. Uh, the deadline only matters if you're going to accept the severance offer. If you're going to negotiate the severance offer, which is what we would do the majority of the time, uh, then that deadline doesn't matter at all. 
Another common question I know you get, John, weekly at least, is, you know, my employer made significant change to my job. You know, they've relocated a few kilometers or switched towns or going from days to nights or whatever. Can they do that? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Right? And that's not the answer that a lot of people want to hear, but it's the only answer I can give without sitting down with you and actually walking through the kind of change this is. So, yes, a forced transfer to another location can be a constructive dismissal. Yes, a demotion absolutely can be a constructive dismissal. Yes, a change in hours can be a constructive dismissal, but not always, right? There are some transfers. If you're going just down the road, if you're just going from a 15-minute commute to a 25-minute commute, that might not be a constructive dismissal. If you're going from one managerial role to another managerial role that you perceive as demotion, the law might not feel the same way. So you really have to be careful because if it's not a constructive dismissal and you have already left your job, you may have just resigned. So now, not only are you not getting severance, you don't have a job. And often what we're taught, what I talk about with people before we make the decision for you to go on a constructive dismissal is, do you really want this? Do you want to leave your job? Or is there something that we can fix it? That being said, if it really is a situation that you have to leave uh, because, and, and demotions are the most common, right? If, right? if they're demoting you, then it's not really reasonable expect, to expect you to stay because it often is humiliating. Well, then we can talk about pursuing your severance entitlement. And if it is a constructive dismissal, you get the same severance entitlement as everyone else. So it's a very important thing to understand. I'll give you this last question again. These are uh, very common questions John gets uh, very often. Quite in this one over the last three years, probably you've lost count how many times you've been asked this one. That says, you know, my employer says now I'm on temporary layoff. Do they have to take me back eventually? Well, uh, under the Employment Standards Act, they do. If they don't, then it's going to be a termination. Now, they may recall you, at which point uh, you may want to speak to an employment lawyer so that you don't give uh, them the right to, to lay you off again. Uh, and they may never take you back, uh, in which case a severance package is owed. But here's the important thing. The moment they put you on a temporary layoff, mm-hmm. you can treat that as a dismissal, as long as you have not signed an employment agreement saying that they can do that or otherwise you know explicitly consented uh, to being laid off as long as you haven't given them permission to do that to you just because even though the employment standards act says yes you can lay someone off without benefits for 13 weeks or with benefits for 35 weeks in any consecutive 52 week period you know you might hear all about that in your layoff letter and say oh okay well the employment standards act says it's legal and it is legal under the employment standards act but if you didn't give them permission you don't have to accept it. And then you can treat it as a termination. And guess what? You get the same severance entitlement as everyone else. So definitely speak to an employment lawyer. And the problem happens if you let them do it once and then you try to pull the trigger the second time. You're too late. It's already it's already in stone. Now it's an applied term, right? Well, it could be harder. It certainly could yeah. be harder to pursue it as yeah. a constructive dismissal. So you want to be careful about uh, agreeing to have them do it once. And that is the way we're going to wrap it up for tonight. John Pincus is your guy. Reach out to him now that we are done. As I mentioned, one 821 5900 anytime. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. And for access to everything we talk about on the show pretty much and that severance calculator, John mentioned it as well, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. It's free. It's anonymous, simple to use, and it's always there for you, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Back at it tomorrow, 630 once again on the Tuesday edition of the Employment Law Show. Enjoy your evening.